This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Chris Dosa with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Boris Pash, President and CEO of the Carmanos Cancer Institute in Detroit. An internationally renowned cancer researcher, he's also chair of the Department of Oncology at Wayne State University School of Medicine. Dr. Pash, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. Certainly, uh, understandably, you've had an extensive career, but Dr. Pash, would you mind telling us a little bit more about your background? Happy to, yes. I grew up in the French-speaking part of Switzerland and uh, went to medical, started medical school in, in Switzerland uh, and then um, moved to Sweden uh, at, to Stockholm, more precisely at the Karolinska Institute, where I received my MD and my PhD degrees. Um, thereafter, I moved to the U.S. and I was a postdoctoral fellow at uh, the Brigham and Women's Hospital at Harvard Medical School for three years prior to moving to New York, where I trained in internal medicine at Cornell, uh, and then in uh, hematology and oncology at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. That's where I continued my work and research um, at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute in the lab of Dr. Joanne Massage. That's where I discovered the first mutation of the type 1 TGF-beta receptor, which really propelled my academic uh, research career. I then moved to um, Northwestern where I started my own lab. And I was also the founder of the Northwestern Cancer Genetics Program working on tumor susceptibility genes. Um, in 2008, I was offered the position of director of the Division of Hematology Oncology at the University of Alabama in Birmingham. Um, and uh, I was there until 2014 um, and also served there as deputy director of the Cancer Center. In 2014, I became the uh, director of the Wake Forest Baptist Comprehensive Cancer Center and the chair of the Department of Cancer Biology, a position I held until uh, 2022. And in 2023, I moved to um, Carmanos to become the new uh, president and CEO, as you indicated. So my background is both uh, as a physician scientist, I'm trained as a an oncologist in hematology and medical oncology. And I see mostly patients with gastrointestinal malignancies. I'm also uh, the inventor and developer of a novel technology for the treatment of uh, cancer, which recently received FDA approval for its first indication. Uh, so I think that sums up my uh, background. Uh, thank you so much, doctor. I I'm glad you mentioned uh, the device that you mentioned. I do wanna to get to that a little bit later. But off the top here, I understand you feel strongly about cancer screening guidelines. But to what do you owe your passion regarding the subject and how should the healthcare industry adjust course? So I think cancer screening is one of the most successful achievements of cancer research in the past few decades. Um, I think uh, in my area of expertise, rectal cancer, the, um, um, the Im implementation of any form of screening, but preferably colonoscopy, decreases the risk of dying from that deadly disease by about 40%. And that's uh, quite dramatic. And uh, it is also a disease that is very common. 
It is the second most common tumor type in non-smoker and the third in in-smokers. Um, so I think I've seen the benefits, the value uh, of uh, screening in multiple instances, and especially when you're interested in inherited form of cancer in patients who have a family history of colorectal cancer, screening plays an even more important role because you really save lives early on uh, just by screening and removing early polyps that could develop into deadly cancers. Certainly, it's beneficial to everyone that this type of advancement has been made over the course of uh, decades. Uh, what I do want to ask you also in relation to that, um, what are the keys to reducing racial and ethnic disparities in cancer treatment, and how can other hospitals and health systems follow suit? So I think this is a very important issue. The um, you, you see that um, um, racial and ethnic disparities in, in the United States are quite prominent. Uh, and in certain regions, the, uh, the rate of screening is, is very low, uh, which certainly uh, decreases the, the ability to impact cancer before it occurs or, or develops. Uh, some example in the Detroit area with a very low rate of HPV vaccination and a low rate of HPV vaccination, especially in ethnic minorities, results in a higher rate of uh, cervical cancer, but also of head and neck cancer. And these two tumors that are easily screened for or, or treated uh, can be prevented with these um, with vaccination. So when you have, you have a very low rate of vaccination in a younger individual, because this is when uh, vaccination should occur, uh, it will lead to a higher rate of tumors. So one of our faculty, Dr. Ariel Washington, is focusing on that at Kermanos Cancer Institute on how to impact or change the uh, acceptance of uh, of um, HPV vaccination and has developed strategies to uh, enhance the rate of vaccination and therefore prevent cancer um, in a large proportion of the Detroit and Detroit area population. Uh, on, those, on that note rather, Dr. Pash, how does the Carmanus Institute work with its partners to advance treatments for cancer, and how would you advise others in your position who want to achieve similar goals and results? So Carmanos has been very successful in expanding the depths and breadth of its reach within the state of Michigan and Northern Ohio by establishing 16 uh, different centers that provide patients screening treatments according to guidelines that are the same as at the uh, main uh, Carmanos Cancer Institute in downtown Detroit. So that has allowed patients to have access to state-of-the-art treatments, uh, state-of-the-art clinical trial, novel technologies uh, to treat their cancer close to their home. Just this morning, I was in Roseville uh, in Macomb County uh, to for the inauguration of the renovated Roseville uh, Carmanos Cancer Institute which is very impressive and provide state-of-the-art uh, cancer treatment for the large um, Macomb County and Roseville community, which doesn't have uh, many, many uh, options to access uh, high-quality cancer care 
without traveling quite far away. And the uh, mayor of Roseville was expressing his uh, his uh, pleasure and and uh, satisfaction about the fact that for many elderly patients or patients with a disability difficulty with transport that they now will be able to get uh, cancer care close to their home and especially high quality cancer care. So I think that's a good example of how Kermanos is impacting a large fraction of the Michigan population, uh, treating more than 14,000 uh, new patients with cancer per year, more than one third of the entire uh, population of patients with cancer in the state of Michigan. Certainly efforts like that are, are very heartwarming and worthwhile, doctor. I'm so glad that Harmanos has been able to make those inroads and certainly access to most kinds of healthcare has been on the minds of leaders such as yourself. So thank you for outlining all of that. Uh, I did also want to circle back to the treatment that you mentioned. I would say before recently, I had no idea that a spoon such as it is in this case could be used to help treat cancer. That is just mind-boggling and wonderfully exciting. So I wanted to ask you about Therabionic and how it came to be. In addition to that, what excites you about other emerging cancer treatments? So with respect to Therabionic, it has been a very long-term project that started more than 20 years ago, uh, where uh, with my scientific partner, Alexandre Barbeau, a Frenchman uh, who lives in Colmar, France, we started working on um, using a hypothesis that tumors might be sensitive to certain uh, um, frequencies, radio frequencies. And to uh, test this hypothesis, we examined a large number of patients with cancer and identified changes in pulse pressure. In layman's language would be change in the intensity of the pulse that you could measure with your finger, but better with a detector that measures changes in, in, in pulse intensity. And what we found is that um, looking at a large number of patients with different type of tumors, we found some consistent changes in pulse pressure at certain frequencies in patients that had the same tumor type. So let's say you had 20 patients with uh, breast cancer. Uh, some had early stage, some had advanced stage. We found similar frequencies um, eliciting these changes in pulse pressure. So having um, identified that within a few years, we tested the hypothesis that sending these frequencies to the patient could have um, therapeutic effect. So we launched a feasibility study back in 2003, and uh, within a few years had evidence that we could have an impact on cancer. All these patients had advanced cancer without curative uh, opportunities. And in a first uh, study that was published in 2009, we reported a complete response, which means total disappearance of disease in a patient with breast cancer with metastasis to the left femur and the right adrenal gland. So two locations that were uh, clearly seen on, on imaging studies, more specifically PET-CT. And within just a few months of only receiving this treatment, uh, that patient had a total disappearance of the tumor, which lasted 11 months. We had another patient with uh, stage four breast cancer that also had metastasis to the bones and to the liver that had a partial response, which mean a tumor shrinkage 
not total disappearance, but tumor shrinkage that lasted 13 months. That led us to expand this work into um, a tumor type for which there was very few uh, treatments, if any at that time, um, advanced liver cancer, also called hepatocellular carcinoma. So together with a former colleague of Sloan Kettering, who had moved to um, Sao Paulo, Brazil, we conducted a study on 42 patients with um, advanced hepatocellular carcinoma, and were able to demonstrate that using the same approach, using a portable device that emitted these low and fairly safe level of radiofrequency electromagnetic fields three times a day for one hour uh, by means of a spoon placed in the patient's mouth, uh, we had about 10% of patients that had significant shrinkage of the tumor, and another 40% of patients, uh, the tumor stopped growing for at least six months. So um, with this data in mind, we um, developed a, a more commercial version of the device, which took into account all the comments we had received from the physician. They wanted in particular to be able to control the number of treatments. They wanted to be able to monitor whether the treatment was delivered or not. Uh, and they also wanted a device that would be uh, very easy to transport so that the patient could uh, take the treatment home. So in 2013, we established a company in Germany with the goal of developing a device that would become commercially available. And in 2018, we received European approval for uh, this indication. Um, in 2019, the FDA granted breakthrough designation to this device for the treatment of liver cancer. And fast forward on December 11, 2023, so less than a month ago, um, we received FDA approval for the treatment of patients with advanced uh, liver cancer, hepatocellular carcinoma, who failed first-line and second-line therapy. So we're very excited to see this very long-term uh, project uh, based on the discovery of frequencies in patients with cancer um, bear fruit and now becoming available for patients with liver cancer, where Carmanos will be the first in the world to offer these treatments um, with FDA approval. Congratulations again on that accomplishment, Dr. Pass. That's just incredible. Uh, were there other treatments that you want to mention that you're excited about? Yes, I think, you know, the world of uh, oncology has seen some very exciting development in the past decade. I would say checkpoint inhibitor immunotherapy has uh, really offered a, a, a novel option for treatment for about 15% of patients of cancer. But when patients have um, a tumor that responds to checkpoint inhibitor, it is a therapy that is very well tolerated, that has some side effects, but uh, in the majority of cases, well tolerated and can provide long-term survival in, in, in these patients that do response. I think CAR T-cell is another uh, very exciting development that is expanding, that has started for hematologic malignancies, so blood cancer, but is now moving into uh, the arena of solid tumor. And Carmanos has been at the forefront of offering uh, such uh, clinical trials to patients with uh, advanced for form of solid tumor that have no other options. So that has been also a very exciting development. Theranostic is probably another um, development that has recently received FDA approval. 
uh, theranostics is the use of uh, antibodies or, or TAG, if you wish, that will find uh, tumor cells throughout the body, both primary tumor and metastasis, and get stuck to these tumors with a irradiating components or a local radiation. So it's, it allows to deliver radiation to the tumor only with minimal adverse events to the rest of the body. And in 2018, the first um, indication for neuroendocrine tumor received FDA approval. And in 2022, uh, another indication for metastatic prostate cancer received FDA approval. So I think it's a field where we're going to see uh, additional indication for other tumor types or earlier stage of the disease. And uh, Carmanos is at the leading edge of developing this novel technology and um, um, offering clinical trial to patients with various form of tumors uh, that will benefit from this uh, therapeutic um, innovation. Excellent. Thank you so much, doctor. Lastly, I simply wanted to ask you, what's one goal in particular that Carmanos has for 2024 that you're looking forward to achieving? I would say two goals, growth and expansion. We are on, we're recruiting new investigators. We're expanding our uh, clinical, basic and translational research. And we want to become the leader in healthcare disparities. Uh, Dr. Haley Thompson has run a a uh, fantastic community outreach and engagement program uh, in Detroit and throughout the state of Michigan with already sh showing already impact on um, healthcare disparities that are noted nationwide. And I think this is one of the key priorities we want to further expand. Dr. Pash, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and insights today. We can't wait to share them with our audience and we look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you very much, Chris. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Looking forward to speaking with you in the future. Bye-bye. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.